Hey, I'm Brandon Cardi, and you're listening to The Geo Show. It's The Geo Show. 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 Welcome back to another episode of The Geo Show. I am, of course, your host and master of ceremonies, GOP. I'm feeling fantastic today. As of the date of recording this, just found out my COVID tests were negative, so I'm feeling pretty good, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We, of course, have what you came for, an interview, and we've got a very special guest on the show today. We have a director, a cinematographer, and a digital archivist, good friend of mine, Brennan Cardi. He's currently working on a documentary film called An Unlikely Fandom, and he's going to have a lot of fun things to talk about with us today. Uh, Cardi, how are you? I, you know, it's crazy times we're living in, but outside of that, I'm alive and well, so can't complain, and congrats on your uh, results, by the way. Thank you. Now, usually I ask this to most of our recent guests on the show, but how have how have things been on your end with the uh, with the virus? How have things been affecting you? It's been tough because you know you're, you're trying 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 to make a film, trying to go travel to the UK and Japan. Uh, can't get there right now, and probably won't be able to get there for at least another year at this point. But you know, out, out outside of that, it's this is this is kind of a good thing, I guess. Uh, I mean, none none of it's great, but it's good if you are working on a production or something. I think it gives you time to sort of reevaluate what you have. And understand where you're, uh, you know, the path that you're heading on, and make make sure you don't uh, screw up. Uh, so, at least for for our production, it's been nice to sort of take a step back, look at what we have, watch a rough cut, and see, oh, okay, well, we're we're gonna change a couple things now. So it's it's it definitely sucks, but there there've been some good things to come out of it. That's awesome. Now, big question, maybe it's a little too big, but how did you get? started with filmmaking or directing so uh i think i was maybe five five or six years old one of the two um and my grandparents came over uh we were all going to watch a movie together and they uh had a copy of jaws on dvd because it had just come out on dvd this was yeah 2000 so roughly four or five years old and i remember looking at the cover art and thinking like whoa that that's horrifying so we watched jaws uh it scared me to death could not sleep for a little bit, uh, had nightmares all the time, but it stayed with me. And so for ever since that pivotal moment in the early 2000s, uh, I have just always wanted to make films. And shortly after watching Jaws, my parents gave me uh, their old Hi8 camcorder. Still got it today. It's a beautiful camera, still works. Um, and I originally started making films with like my wooden railway trains and my Tomy trains. Um, I remember I made this really crappy thing called Calling All Engines 2. I've still got it somewhere. It, it, it's really bad. But uh, because of Thomas and Jaws, uh, I found this weird thing that I love more than anything in the world. Awesome. And you're you're quite the uh, Jaws, or might I say, shark movie aficionado. I can't even like uh, start to talk about it from there, but it's just you're, you're a huge fan of finding these like obscure and even with shark movies. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so after after seeing Jaws, I it was like, huh, this I, I I like films like this. This is really cool. Uh, so I sort of got into Godzilla for a little bit. I I watched the Jaws sequels, and I was like, man, like there's something really cool about monsters attacking humans, N- mainly sharks more than anything, of course. 
Uh, and so I remember sh- a few years later, uh, there was this film called Great White uh, from 1981. And I wanted to get it because I, I, there were clips of it on YouTube. Now, granted, YouTube had just come out. This is like the first year of YouTube being around. And I was seeing clips of this film and I'm like, wow, this looks cheesy and great. I want to see it. Uh, but there was no official release of it. Uh, you had to, you could only buy it on like gray market DVDs on eBay and like iOffer and stuff like that. So I got that. Um, and then that got me further down the rabbit hole of like, damn, these shark movies are really good, but these aren't the mainstream ones. This isn't a Spielberg film. This is some Italian guy making a film. So that got me into Italian shark films, which is a really niche genre, but there are a lot of them. It's, it's really insane. And so for years I just started collecting more and more, um, and what's great now is that all these companies uh, are picking up those films and get, giving them, you know, remasters on on Blu-ray and stuff like that. Uh, and th- thanks thanks to these gray market DVDs and now these official releases, that sort of got me interested in in these really weird niche genre of films. To jump off of that, and I think you have quite the resume of all the things you've accomplished. You even have your own distributing film label that you've, uh, I believe, you've released. Uh, I'm not sure if it was a shark movie, but you've released a few Westerns in the past. Um, and I, it's called, I believe, uh, Retrovision Entertainment. Right, right, yeah. So for, for uh, in 2012, I was like, hey, I think this is, this is something I want to do. Um, so my parents gave me some money, um, like, like 100 bucks. And I kind of, I, I made that 100 bucks go a long way. I, I don't really... I can't remember exactly how it happened, but it, it was crazy. So eventually, uh, in 2013, um, we got the chance to license uh, this film called Great White. Not not the same Great White that I was talking about earlier. This is this was a shot on video film, uh, shot on Betacam actually, which is really weird. Uh, so we got the rights to that. Um, it was a really cheesy, low budget shark movie shot in Nevada, and so we got the rights to that. We made a DVD of it. It, it sold sold decently. Um, and then I kept sort of going after more of those films. Uh, and the last title that I acquired, uh, and this is sort of where I left it off, uh, was called Deadly Jaws. It was a German-made shark film around the same time that Jaws was being produced. They wanted to cash, on the, cash in on the success of it, so I went to the rights holders and I was like, hey, there's no official release of this film. I would like to do it. Um, and that, that was a whole debacle because they uh, didn't have assets for it. They had like a... a a umatic transfer of the film, but it, it was horrible and it was all in Spanish. There was no English dub. So I had to track down the only English copy of the film left, which was on a Japanese VHS tape, sync that up with a German telescene or a t- telescene of the German cut of the film, which is entirely different. Mishmash those two together and voila, we put it on DVD in 2017 uh, to, to a lot of uh, people really liked it. They were like, Oh, well, we've never seen this before. This is great. Uh, and yeah, that was, and once again, it, it is is because of Shark Movies and Thomas, really, that, that I owe that to, because they got me interested in film, and also just the idea of distributing and licensing films. I don't know why, and I think I'm crazy for saying this, but I find it incredibly fascinating. There's nothing more, I guess, intoxicating in a weird way than negotiating with rights holders and saying, like, hey, I'll pay you, tw- you know, two grand for this film for four years. <laughs> Can we expect more releases from Retrovision in future, or is that mostly, um, is that mostly over for now? It's it's something that we're, me and 
one or two people are talking about. Because um, when I ran Retrovision, I did it mostly by myself with, with the help of two two great friends. Um, and I, I would I would really like to do it again. The problem is is that it it became a lot to handle for you know three guys really. Uh, so um, once once Unlikely Fandom is done. I want it to be sort of... I've created a new company called Requiem Pictures, and that's going to be the new sort of flagship title. That's, Unlikely Fandom is going to be our first thing. And I'm hoping that we can make it sort of an all-in-one company again, where it's like, all right, we're going to produce stuff, and we're also going to release some stuff. Because there are a lot of shark films that still don't have releases that, quite frankly, need it. And I hope to uh, hope to acquire the rights to those one day. So, who knows? So has there been any trouble getting rights to films? Like, was there anything that you were planning to release, but it just kind of like the deal fell through or just nothing came of it or anything like that? <laughs> right. Yeah, this this happens all the time. This is a common problem. Uh, I've had it happen with one shark film that I was after for so long. Just didn't work out in the end. Rights holders were did, just didn't like Americans, I think. And there was also, uh, we were going to do a kid's label too, because I like a bunch of my friends, I'm really interested in kids' television. It's, I don't know why, I think that's also really fascinating. Uh, th- once again, thanks to Thomas, there was a show called uh, Salty's Lighthouse, which uh, I didn't grow up with personally, but it was sort of the U.S. version of the U.K. show Tugs, which I am absolutely f- just in love with in every respect. And me and my friend uh, Nick Maniscalco, we found the rights holders, and they were like, yeah, uh, we we have rights for the U.S. and it's like, well, damn, why don't we put a DVD out? This is ne- it, this has never happened before, and a bunch of the episodes were missing, uh, like they'd never been released online or aired. So it's like, well, we might as well just get the rights to this and do it ourselves. Plus, it's a chance to work with Tugs footage. Who, you know, what Tugs fan wouldn't want that? Um, so we negotiated for about a month for the rights, and we finally came to a deal, which in reality was a damn good deal. Uh, and as soon, literally as soon as we were about to sign the contract with these people, they said, wait a minute, we screwed up, sorry, we actually don't own the rights to this, it's actually Sony who has the rights to this, or they did, they don't anymore, I don't think, and they're like, yeah, 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 Sony's got this, and and we don't. We only have the, uh, UK, uh, Australia, and, like, Germany rights. Like Europe. Yeah, Europe, and it's like, well, damn, that kind of sucks for us, We, we can't do anything about it. Um, and, and it was, it was heartbreaking cause it's like, well, damn, we were, we were so close and we, we really wanted to get the kids label going. And that's, there were a bunch of other shows that we went after, <laughs> after Salty's Lighthouse to really get the kids label going, but it, it, it just never, never worked. Um, but who knows, maybe in future that could, uh, that could happen. Yeah, that, I would, I'd definitely love to see that. I guess I could attest to, uh, what you were saying about, um, Tugs, like, Tugs, I have to be honest, it's like, I think one of the, one of the best in general children's television, or I guess live action television series ever produced. And I have to thank Tugs, and I think maybe, uh, Cardi, you could attest to this, is that without that show, I would have never learned about what is PAL and what is NTSC formatting, what's converting things to digital. <laughs> What's about right holders? Because what's about like why it's important to archive these old TV shows? How how messed up a show can get in the in like tangled in copyrights? And I think you can attest of how how uh, Tugs 
even in, in engulfed in Salty's lighthouse, has basically been dragged through copyright hell. Oh my god, yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so... Yeah, Tug's absolute copyright mess. And, and you're exactly right. It, it made you, at least for, yeah, me, you, and I, and I know Scalco too. Um, we wanted to convert it to NTSC. We wanted to preserve the tapes because you couldn't find it anywhere. It was never released in America. Uh, master tapes were missing, all, all this fun stuff. And so your only option is buy three or four copies of the VHS tape, buy a PAL VCR with a TBC, and archive it so you have something. It's not the best copy, but it's, but it's something. You know, thankfully, we, we, we are lucky enough um, just through sheer sheer luck and, you know, the, the stars aligning and the moon shining just right to have, you know, one digital copy of an episode. But, you know, that that's one out of 13. And if the other 12 are missing, then, you know, there's, there's not much you can do with it. And, you know, like, like, like we already said, Tugs is a rights issue. You know, that's just a huge minefield. And you, you, at, at the end of the day, you just want to preserve it. Even if you can't get the rights to it, there's something cathartic about saying like hey me and my group of people we we we're preserving this show for generations to come and i think that's really powerful and that's something that we you know i think that's something a lot of people can get behind orders may be orders but they blinded blue nose from using simple common sense and from keeping level-headed so a tiny incident grew into a big disaster and the old dock was left in ruins we should have the greatest respect for fire just think what might have happened to Ten Cents and his friends just because Blue Nose didn't. But it's, yeah, just, it's, it, I guess the perfect story about, uh, about why restoration and why preservation is important. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, and I think this is something that, uh, you know, this generation of filmmakers and content producers are a lot more aware of now is that, you know, the, these rushes that you'll get when you shoot something, I think it's important to preserve that, um, even if it's just for your own little thing. Like, always keep sort of what you consider to, to be that you're going to bin or keep keep those promotional assets because you never know. Like, in 20 years, you may get an email from some super crazy fan, a crazy in a good way, of course, uh, about like, hey, I really like that thing that you made. Could you show me more? And you can bond over that uh, with with an internet stranger in the, in the, in the next decade or so it's, and it, it brings people together. Look at that. Exactly. Just like Who it's, uh, it's just amazing about how, how big, like, and I think it's, it's, uh, just showing the spread of like how far this small TV show that at the time never really found its target audience kind of like was born to a new life on the internet. Like, and even going off from that, let's talk about uh, one of your films that that you're working on. I guess it's called An Unlikely Fandom, and uh, it's uh, how how would you describe it, Cardi? It it's sort of um, I've actually never been asked this before, which is really interesting. Uh, I I think I would put it I would describe it as a as a love letter to the people and the show that have sort of. Uh, surrounded my life for like the past 13 years, 13, 14 years. Um, it's, it's, it's a tribute to them. Um, but it's also sort of, I, expose is not the right word cause that has a negative connotation, but it's sort of, it's, it's me saying, Hey, 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 general public, 
this this is who we as people are um and there's nothing really wrong with this i think that's a good way to put it <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's not very poetic but you know documentaries basically on like you know talking with people who are fans of you know thomas the tank engine like growing up with it and i think unlike other documentaries about uh, fandoms in the past who will which will remain nameless I'm not, I'm not trying to call out people with this, but, uh, if you know, you know, I'll just say that they don't do a very good job of, uh, of displaying or at least making the, 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 uh, what they're, what they're showing the fans that they're showing look normal while still saying, yeah, I enjoy this, but you know, kind of making them look like uh, psychopaths in a way, but Cardi, you've done the impossible of making uh, Thomas fans look normal, which I, I myself really appreciate. <laughs> you know, it's funny, funny thing about that. That was something, you know, in, in, in the very beginning stages, I, I, I ran it past one of my closest friends and I was like, Hey, I, I think, I think I'm going to do this. And they were like, you are literally going to shoot yourself in the foot for doing that. You're going to make everyone look stupid. Um, and granted it's, it's still early days. We, we got at least another year until this thing might be done. I don't know. It depends what COVID does. But I think, I think even then people, uh, the, the 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 producers on it who have seen the rough cuts and some of the pe- some of my close friends that I've sort of shown it to the, outside of the fandom they look at it and they're like oh that's actually really sweet that's that's very this is it feels genuine it doesn't feel creepy um, and it feels very I guess neutral on the stance of like well is this a is this a good thing or is this a bad thing it's not like this isn't propaganda trying to say ah oh, you have to be yeah you have to be a tank you have to be a brokemotive uh. I kept it a huge dark secret. I tried to push people away. I tried to keep it to myself. I wouldn't call it shame, but I wasn't sure if it was right or wrong. I thought it was something I couldn't share with other people. It's it's just guys being dudes, you know? <laughs> That's all it is. And it's just, you know, me taking my camera and being like, "Hey, look look at look at these guys being dudes." And of course, uh and and some some fellow female fans as well, of course. There's that. Just just so we're clear, just, they just exist. So we're clear. I know, isn't it crazy? <laughs> Endangered species alert. <laughs> yeah, we're we're. I'm I'm just here to sort of. Not I I I don't want it to feel falsified. I want I want it to feel genuine and like yes, there there are bad parts of of this fandom. That goes without saying. That's part of any fandom. Um, but I also I'm not going to put us on a pedestal and be like, hey, l- laugh at us. Laugh at us or praise us. It's one of the two. It's 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 not it's not, it's not black or white. It's here we are, and well, I mean, it's up to you to make that judgment. You know how you feel about us. Mm-hmm. De- definitely, and I mean, I guess from what you're saying, it's kind of like a thing. You know, if you show it, you really have to like actually watch it and actually like see the rough cuts to like understand and actually get like what it's about. Because like, I will be honest, when I originally heard about this, when I originally just heard of the description and saw the the poster the teaser poster for the film, I kind of like, I had this, can I, can I, can I bring up, do you want to bring up the old tagline of the film? Let's, let's talk about that. I think I owe the public an apology. Because <laughs> the original tagline, and do, do you want to say it or should I? I, I'll, I'll, I'll say it because this, this was my own damn fault and I, I do have to take responsibility for it. The, the original tagline for the film, uh, which I thought was very clever at the time and turned out not to be, was, you met the bronies, now meet the tankies. Um, and everyone on Twitter got very upset. And you know what? 
you're you're absolutely goddamn right for for feeling that way. Um, and one day I will I will give one day I will tell everyone why I was so adamant about it. But that that's for a later time. But yeah, I I do feel I feel silly. <laughs> Is that for the unlikely fandom Blu-ray commentary track? I think I think that's going to be on the commentaries. Me explaining myself because. There, there's, there's a section in the film, at least right now there is, about sort of the, the naming of fandoms and why why we need one and why we don't need one. And I think that's, yeah, I, th- I think that'll explain itself. Unlikely fandom, though, is technically, you know, in production, but you do have some, I guess, short films that you've, uh, that you've done in the past. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. I, uh, yeah, so uh, I... Obviously, I love making films. It's it's something. It's like the one thing that I can say like I'm I'm decent at, and that I feel that there's really nothing more. Uh, I, I, I'm going to use the word emotional, and I know that sounds weird, but like it's it, it makes you very emotional when you finish a thing, for when you start it and then you complete it, and seeing your name on the screen, it's like oh my god, I did that! Holy shit, we got this thing together. Um, and in the past. So I, 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 I stopped making films for a long time. I got out of it. And I was like, I, I don't know if I want to do this anymore because I was focused more on archival. And then, of course, uh, in around like 2018, 2017, uh, in college, I started taking more film courses again. I was like, damn, I really do enjoy this. I need to get back into this. Um, and so in between then and now, I made a few films. Uh, I made a film about a, a cult dedicated to Michael Bolton, the sex icon, uh, who sings such hits like uh, How Can We Be Lovers If We Can't Be Friends, uh, When a Man Loves a Woman, um, all, all, all that fun stuff, uh, which was inspired by my professor, uh, Kevin Wells, who is one of the greatest professors you will ever have, in, I think, in, in the film department. He was a lovely man. Um, and he always joked that he had this cult dedicated to Michael Bolton. And so I, I came to him one day and I was like, hey, I'd like to make a short film and have it be around the fact that you're dead, and Michael Bolton has something to do with that. And he had he wanted nothing to do with it. He was like, no. Um, and so we made it anyways. And then eventually he was like, okay, well, I, I, I think I see what you're going for, and sure, I'll, 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 play, a, I'll play a little role in it. He, he plays his twin brother named Devin. Get, uh, Kevin, Devin, haha. Um, and that was a lot of fun. I made it... it, it that was... Yeah, this is going to sound crazy, but that was the precursor to an unlikely fandom because that was the first real documentary thing that I had shot. I learned how to light on that film. I learned how to shoot. I learned how to do a bunch of different things on that film. That was unlike or what, praise be walked so unlikely fandom could fly, um, or so, something along that line. Because uh, we we used these really cool airy lights. Uh, I just got my new camera too, which I've been shooting unlikely fandom on. And I, 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 without that film, Unlikely Fandom would not look as good as it does, I think. Uh, and then I also made another film my junior year. Uh, I, this was shot at the same time as Praise Be. Making two films back-to-back is horrible. I never do it. Uh, it was called Genghis Khan. It's about this guy who uh, kills this girl um, because she wants to date another guy. Uh, and, you know, you're, you're making a mockumentary and this really weird dramatic piece at the same time. It, it's a weird headspace to be in, uh, and it was not a fun time to shoot. But at the, at the end of the day, I look at those two films, and I'm like, hey, they, you know, they both have their flaws, but like, I learned a lot from each of them, and it just keeps... Uh, even on the worst project that you're on, you're always going to learn a lot, and it's going to help you on your next big thing. And bo- both Genghis Khan and Praise Be really 
have made me learn a lot uh, about filmmaking and have really helped an unlikely fandom in the strangest of ways, to put it simply. Cardi, thank you for coming on here. Very interesting discussion, you know, went from distribution to filmmaking to all that kind of stuff. Uh, where can the listeners find you if they want to want to catch up on your work, want to see some of your stuff? You have a website? Yes. So yeah, go to www.cardicinema.com to see some of my, my other stuff, my, my films. Um, and if you want to find out more about an unlikely fandom, unlikelyfandom.com, those two websites where you can learn basically everything about what, what I like to do. It's a good time. Awesome. Well, as, as they say, we will watch your career with great interest and, uh, (laughs) I, I cannot wait to see this movie. Um, I'm definitely, I don't know how or when it's going to premiere, but I'm definitely, I'll be, I'll be one of the first in line to see it. It's going to be fantastic. I see some great things in future for you, Cardi. Thank you for coming on. Absolute pleasure to have you. And hopefully we will have you back again soon. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It, it was a pleasure to be on here. Thank you, Gio. And thank you for listening to the show. If you want to catch more episodes of The Geo Show, please check out our YouTube channel, which is GOTV1, all one word. We also, I also have Twitter. You can find me at P-E-T-T-I underscore Geo. And you can tweet at me and tell me if you liked the show or if you didn't like the show. Anyway, thank you for listening. New episode coming next week. I am Geo. That was Brennan Cardi. Thanks for listening. The Geo Show. Geo Show. The Geo Show. The Geo Show. The Geo Show.